right, guys, can you hear? Oh, wow, this is going to be rough for me because I'm already really loud. <laughs> okay, um, can you still hear me? I'm sure you can because, I, like I said, I am really loud. Um, today we're going to talk about blessings from God, and we're going to dive into the gifts of Psalm 127. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and make sure that we're turned to Psalm 127. It's a much shorter psalm than the uh, one that I did yesterday, uh, but there are so many wonderful things about it that I'm sure that we will be able to fill our time. Uh, I'll show you my family again. I, when I hear people speak, I like to see the people behind the people. Um, so these are my people. These are my people that um, allow me to go and do the things that I do and pray for me and lift me up and make me feel good as a human. So this is my Daniel, my husband, my daughter Abby, 21, Josiah, 12, Levi, 11, and Gracie Jane is 7. And I will specifically be talking about these two guys today. And so that is another reason that I wanted to make sure that you could see them and kind of envision where we are now from where we were um, 12 years ago. All right, so we are talking about the book of Psalms this week or this weekend and I love the book of Psalms. There's all kinds of nuggets in there, wisdom that we can take with us, that we can use when we're happy, that we can use when we're sad, that we can use when we're up and down. And I think that God knew we needed this anthology of sacred sacred songs to guide us through the difficult times. And I think that's why, like yesterday we had Lori that was talking about a lament as well as redemption, as well as praise and there's everything in there in between lament and praise and this is one that I feel like is an instructive psalm but also a very happy psalm. Psalm 127 um, written by Solomon unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep behold children are a, her a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the womb a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate in East Africa um, we're going to consider the builder of the home in East Africa where we spend a lot of our times you will see a lot of homes like this and they don't always have the ability and the collateral to get bank loans to be able to build their homes so you see a lot of homes that are completely unfinished you may see just a foundation it may be a mud home it may be a brick home like this but you may see just a foundation you may see just the foundation in the walls you may see just the foundation, the walls, and a roof, and then, you know, holes in, in inside there for their windows and stuff, and you see where I'm going with this, but they aren't always able to build the entire house the way they want to, when they want to, because they have to use the time and money that they can invest in their house, and so we're going to be kind of equating our lives to um, what it would be like to build our house and invest our time and money in it, unless the Lord builds the house 
Psalm 127 warns us that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. The house spoken of here isn't of bricks and mortar, but of your family. Um, the family unit is what makes the home, and unless we're allowing God to build our family, we're going to be laboring in vain. We may take our children to worship for every single service, but if we stop there, is that going to get them to heaven? Are they going to have all the things that they need? That's just going to be our outside walls. What about all the inside stuff? What about our windows and doors? What about our roof? What about a solid foundation? What if we um, also, in addition to that, we take them to church every Sunday and we make sure that they're at every youth rally, they go to VBS, um, they're doing all the different youth events during the year. Is that going to be enough to get them to heaven? We're making sure they're in worship. They're doing the things that we feel like we're supposed to do, but we're not keeping the name of Jesus in our homes. It's still outside of our homes. It's in worship. It's where the places we are going, but we are we speaking his name inside our homes, where we are going and what we are doing. Without welcoming Jesus and his word into your home, the house is never going to be finished. And the house, remember, being our children, our family, it's never going to be strong enough to withstand the storms of life if that's all we are giving them. He is the priority. Speak the name of Jesus in your homes, on your vacations, in your schooling, at your at restaurants, at family gatherings, anywhere you go, the name of Jesus should be able to come and roll off of your tongue. I've talked to a lot of people that have said, well, I don't know, but just even in my family sometimes, bringing up Jesus and talking about Jesus and salvation, that just can get kind of awkward. And I finally got to the point where I would just look people point blank in the face and say, well, awkward won't kill you. We, we've got to get to heaven, and that is the priority, is getting to heaven and we've got to move past that awkwardness of feeling like speaking about Jesus is awkward. It should not be an awkward thing to tell other people that we love Jesus and we want to go to heaven. He is the priority. He is the foundation and we must place every single brick and dwell with Jesus in our homes. We have to take our children to worship. We have to make sure that they are involved in Christian things outside of the home but most importantly we have to make sure that Christ is in inside our homes, inside those walls every single day. So how do we how do we begin to build our house in the Lord? In Matthew 16, we find Jesus with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. And he asked them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, there are some different options that they throw out. And um, then Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds to Peter in verse 18, on this rock, on that confession, on what Peter just said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus tells his apostles that the church will be built on the truth of Peter's confession because it is a solid foundation that will give us the keys of heaven. Likewise, we've got to build our homes on the belief and the confession that Jesus is God's son if we hope to raise children that love him, serve him, connect with him, and want to go to heaven. Churches built on wants and whims of man are not going to withstand the day of judgment. I'm about to melt. <laughs> we also know that in John 14, 6, if we want to get to heaven, we must build our homes in Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the master builder. Verse 2 of our text is one that 
sometimes whenever you're choosing a psalm, when somebody asks you to speak, you don't realize that the psalm is going to be really knocking you down at the same time. And this one did. This one knocked me down. Um, it's a clear look at how we labor in vain building our house when we try to do it alone. If you rise early and you go to bed late and you're working and you're working and you're working, even if you're working on something good... If you're not including Jesus in your day, if you're not including rest and time with Him, then it's futile. Then your day has not mattered. That's why we're trying to take it into our own hands and make sure that we are the ones that are building up and making our life and making our home instead of including Jesus as the foundation, including Him in our homes every day to make sure that our lives are what they're supposed to be. God gives us sleep as a gift to those who are allowing Him to build their homes. They're going to have the peace that only God can can give them. My husband says a lot of time that in order to gain the peace that passes understanding, then you've got to give up your right to understanding. And sometimes we want to understand why God does and says and makes us do all the things that are out there. But the fact of the matter is we don't have to understand. We just have to obey. We have to trust in him enough and have faith enough that we do the things that he tells us to do. And if we do those things, it's going to be okay. And that's where we get that peace that passes is understanding. Trying to raise and fix your family all alone is going to leave you restless and poorly built. The world is filled with information about how to raise your family, right? You can turn on the TV and the news and people are talking about children and what we need to do with our children and how we need to treat them. There's a plethora of opinions about it. But who do we want building our homes? Do we want it to be the latest doctors with the newest studies? Do we want it to be the school board who feels like they know what is best for our children? Do we want it to be a talk show host with the biggest ratings? Who do we want raising our kids? We've sung the song about the wise man and the foolish man all of our lives. And are we going to allow Jesus to build our homes or let them be built on the next bit of pop soccer? and watch it wash away when the rains pour. Because if we look historically, that's what's going to happen every time. There's only one true foundation that we are building our home on and taking care of our children. Let's consider that foundation. Speaking of the wise man and foolish man, we're going to read uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. Matthew 7, 24-28 Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And some of us have seen things like this happen um, in other families and very potentially in our own family whenever we put our priorities in the wrong place, whenever we build our lives or the lives of our children on something that is not solid and that is going to be anything that is not Jesus Christ. When we definitely want God to be the builder of our homes, while we definitely want God to be the builder of our homes, his truths have to be the foundation. 
Um, like I said, there are so many people that are reaching for your children and they want to instill opinions in them and call them truths and values. They want to leave God out of the picture completely and replace him with the acceptance of everyone along with their sins. They want to call good evil and evil good. They reject the truth and twist words to make the truth seem wrong and the wrong seem right. They want to build our homes on a foundation of sand, which is going to leave our children drowning when the rains come. We're going to be flailing about, searching for footing. Hopefully that footing will land safely on the rock of truth that is Jesus, the Son of God. He died on the cross, he was resurrected from the grave, and he rose up to the newness of life. He wants us also to die to sin, to be buried with him in baptism, and rise up to the newness of life to walk the Christian walk. But too often those lost footing, they land on slippery ground, and we end up going splat, just like we sang in VBS and, and our Bible classes. The, our, our house does not withstand those storms when it is built on the sand. Let's consider the gift of the home. How many of you enjoy being home? I love being home. And you won't believe this, but I'm a very true introvert. I speak ext extrovertedly. I'm able to make myself get up here and do this. And if you want to hear the story of how that started, you can just ask me later. But that's not always been the case. I'm a true introvert. Last night when I got home, I slept from 4.30 until 7.30 when my husband had to wake me up and make me go eat supper because I had drained myself of energy. And true introverts as well as true extroverts are going to be living in our homes and making up the people inside of our homes and we have to make sure that there are things there for everyone that will help them in their walks no matter who they are, who their personalities are so that they can get to heaven. Do you ever uh, look on Instagram or Facebook or any of these social medias and you see these massive homes that are just gorgeous and to me feel so out of reach with how beautiful everything inside and outside their home is. But if their home is not filled with Jesus and it's just walls and beautiful things, then it's not a home at all. It's not truly a home. Uh, verse 3 of our text reminds us that children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a gift, not a burden. James 1.17 beautifully states that every good and perfect gift is from above. Today's society wants us to believe that the world's too crowded for more kids, that we are making the world overpopulated by having more children, and that unborn children are con only considered children if their mother wants them to be. Unplanned pregnancies, we can just completely get rid of those and discard those babies through abortion. People have clearly forgotten the words of truth so spoken in Psalm 127.3 that children are heritage. They are a reward. And for many of us, there's something that has been prayed for for many, 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 many years before that child even happens and comes about. Children bring so much joy and laughter into our lives. They bring purity and humility. And Jesus even calls him a child in Matthew 18 when the disciples ask, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he put the child in the midst of the disciples. And he says in verses 3 and 4, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He also says in Matthew 19, 14, Let the little 
children come to me and don't hinder them for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Um, Hannah is a very important story to me in my personal walk of life um, and I will tell you a little bit about that in a minute but if you don't know Hannah her story is told in, in 1 Samuel and Hannah is deeply distressed and she is in the temple and she is praying and she wants to have a child and I don't know how many of you have ever been there but I have been there I've been on my knees in, in the temple so to speak and and prayed God please just just let me have a child there's so many people out there that don't want their children or harm their children or abort their children and let me have that baby let me have that child I have been Hannah Hannah was so distressed in the temple that Eli the priest looked at her and thought she was vexed he thought she was drunk because she was praying so hard that only her lips were moving she was saying God please if you will give me a baby that I will give him back to you to serve you all of your days and Eli comes to her and he says you go on you go on home and let it be so what you were praying to God let it be so and so Hannah goes and uh, indeed Hannah becomes pregnant she is able to have a baby she has a son she names him Samuel and she did as she promised she didn't take backwater as a southerners like to say she she did as she said she was going to do and when the, the son is weaned when Samuel is weaned she takes him to the temple and she says to Eli here I am I've returned to do what I said I would do with my son Samuel Hannah prayed and prayed for this son she says in verse 27 for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him therefore I have lent him to the Lord and as long as he lives he is lent to the Lord she was willing to give him in service to God if he would only just allow her to be his mother do we feel that strongly about our children do we feel so strongly that God has given our children to us on loan as gifts from him that we're willing to not only care and nurture for them but to give them back to him no matter what that might entail to give them back to him he wants them returned to their heavenly home safely so this is my house in Tanzania and it did have walls and a roof and inside walls and windows and doors but not much more <laughs> um, it was a really small house we had two bedrooms for the five of us and my daughter Abby she slept in a six by ten room that was actually a closet um, with her two brothers and they were babies she was 11 they were one and two now she has the nicest room in my house because she, she never complained not one time while she was in Tanzania and so this was our Tanzanian home but let me tell you how we got there and yesterday remember I told you that it was important that we be what transparent then when we gain that transparency with God he knows us we say search me and try me oh God that we also need to be transparent with each other so that we can learn from other people so I tell this zero as a praise story for me because you're going to see that in just a second but as a learning story for others of what God can do and that you don't have to be ready to do on your own he does it through you I didn't want to go to Africa I'm not one of those missionaries that my whole life's goal was to go and do mission work I didn't want to I wanted to stay home with my mama because I love my mama and I don't mean in her house but where I could get to her quickly if I needed her she and I were very very close I wanted drive-throughs those are convenient and nice I wanted to go to Walmart and Target I wanted to get my nails done which I do very infrequently but I 
wanted to be able to do all these things. I wanted to live a typical American life. That had been my dream. My husband, not so much. He was raised in Cameroon, Africa for several years. His dad was a missionary, and he moved all over America as well with his dad preaching. That has been my adult life. Um, so anyways, um, he takes us on a trip in 2010 that I think is just a mission trip. No, it's a scouting trip. I don't know how I didn't see it going into it. I think we're just going over there to do DBS and do Bible studies all day, which I love. And uh, it's, that's not the case. That's not what we did. And so we get over to Tanzania and Cy Stafford, I don't know if any of you meet him, have met him, but he was... He was a devout man of God, and he worked hard in what he did. And if you ever saw him, ever, he would say, when are you coming to Africa? And that was always his question to Daniel. When are you coming to Africa? And I had, at the time, a nine-year-old, Abby. I had been trying for nine years to have my second child. Every month, I had what I called my pity party. And I would get my period, and I would buy an entire package of double-stuffed Oreos, an entire gallon of milk, and I would just sit and cry and devour my cookies and milk and that's why I look as great as I do today and so I would do that and sit and feel sorry for myself that I had not had another baby I wanted another baby was I spending enough time appreciating the one that God gave me no I was not I wanted that second baby and I told Sasha I'm not coming to Africa I don't want to live here I want to go home and I want to have babies <laughs> that is what I want to do and so Sasha Stafford says I really think you're going to be a good fit in Africa. I'm going to pray about it. So after nine years of surgeries for both me and Daniel, medicine for both me and Daniel, and we had just started to look into adoption the month after I get home from Tanzania, I am pregnant. The month after. Do with that what you will, but I know exactly how I felt about it. And I thought to myself, is this a God, is God saying something to me? Am I supposed to go to prison? And I remember thinking that in my head, but that quickly went away because I'm violently ill when I'm pregnant. And so you think, well, why did you decide to have another baby? I like babies. And so I had this baby, but I was very, very sick. I vomited up to 30 times a day. I have pick lines. I'm hospitalized. I have a Zofran pump. But I decide, decide, I want this baby. So we are having this baby, and I have Josiah, and I'm happy, and we're preaching at our pulpit job, and everything is hunky-dory, and he's chunky and squishy and lovable, and I love it. And then nine months after Josiah is born, I think I have the flu, but I have the Levi. That is what I have. And so we didn't try to stop anything because it took me nine years to have my second child. So here I am pregnant with child number three, and this time the sickness is called hyperemesis gravidarum, if you want to look it up. But it comes back beastly. My body had not had time to heal. So I was mostly hospitalized with Levi. We find out at 19 weeks he has cleft lip and palate, but I am so sick that I am vomiting up pieces of liver. My esophagus is extremely damaged from all the vomiting. My teeth are horrible from all that still. But still, they say, we think you need to terminate for your health and for the baby's health. And I said, it's my job to carry and keep this baby, and it's your job to help us get there. Help us get there. So we started stopping the labor at 30 weeks pregnancy. Every week, we stop labor with a shot. We stop labor with a shot. And so at 33 weeks, they try, and they decide to let me go ahead and have Levi. So I have Levi, and at this point, I'm sitting there holding this beautiful baby boy, cleft lip and all, whose smile goes from here to here, 
And I think to myself, for this child I have prayed. All this time, all I wanted was a baby. And even though I was so horribly sick, that's because sin came into the garden. Remember, that's not, had nothing to do with God. God gave me these two beautiful baby boys. He let me survive two horrible pregnancies. And all I could think was me, me, me. I don't want to go to Africa. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be so far away from my mom. I don't want to be somewhere where I can't go to Walmart. I don't want to be somewhere where I can't go through a drive-thru. It was ah, 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 ah. And we sing all of none of self and all of thee. That was not me. I didn't want to go. But I went. And I started packing up my house. I called Sal Stafford and I said, we're coming. And we started packing up our house. Daniel was elated. He was so happy. He is a missionary. That, that is his true calling. That is what he's supposed to do. And he is never happier than when he is in the mission field doing studies. And I know that now. But I didn't know that I would be extremely happy there too. And I didn't know because I kept saying no to something God put in front of me. Because I was afraid that I couldn't do it. But guys, I didn't have to do it. I just had to rely on him to help me. I wasn't relying on the thing that was most important. And too many times we don't let God build our house. We rely on us and what we think is best and what we want to do and we think our children should do. And that was me and I don't want it to be you. Take those opportunities that God puts in front of you. No, you do not have to move to Tanzania, but yes, I do need a neighbor. Let's consider the home as a bow. So we're going to be talking about this bow, the home as a bow, but it can also be considered a bow on your head. Let's turn to Proverbs 22.6. As we put a bow on our gift, children are a gift from the Lord, and we've got to aim them carefully toward heaven. Verse 4 tells us that children are like arrows in our hands, and blessed we are if we have a quiver full. Our errors have to be cared for. They have to be make sure they're not broken or warped. And children, we have to do the exact same thing as well. They have to be protected, aimed correctly, and we have to make sure that they are hitting their target. Proverbs 22.6 says what? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, errors must be aimed. Deuteronomy 6 is one of my very favorite chapters in the entire Bible. It gives parents useful instruction. Moses had just come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and he is telling the Israelites, this is the way we're supposed to live our lives. And as he does that, he also is looking to a legacy of families down the road, including us, that he wants us to be listening to the words that he has brought down from the mountain. In verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses was trying to aim those Israelites toward heaven. He sets the example for us. Is, is our posture perfected? Is our bow straight and our arrow lined up, lined up? Are our eyes open? Are we standing still? Are we preparing to shoot? Preparing our children for heaven should be 
our number one goal as mothers. And Abby, my daughter Abby will, will tell you very easily that her mama always tells her that my job is to get you to heaven, not to Harvard. And I didn't harp on her about her grades. That was up to her. If she wanted to make sure that she had good grades and she did what she was supposed to with that, I will help you all the days of my life. I will try to make sure that you get things done. But we're not doing homework instead of going to worship service. We're not doing homework when it's family Bible time. You better get that done on your own time that you have to get that done. Because in our house, God comes first. Sports don't come first. Um, plays don't come first. The Bible comes first. Because when all is said and done, none of that junk is going to get them to heaven. None of it. Heaven is what matters. I'm frequently reminded of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Mary um, is sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha's busy preparing and Jesus says those words, those famous words whenever Martha whines to him. Well, Mary's not helping me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and busy with so many things, but truly Mary has chosen the better part, right? And we don't like to hear that as moms, do we? Because we got a lot to do. we got to do some laundry. we got to do some dishes. And these are the things that have to happen every day. But we put the urgent in front of the important all the time. And I do it too. I do it all the time because my life basically consists of being in some kind of vehicle, packing and unpacking, and lather, rinse, repeat. That is my life. So we road school. I sing. We talk in the car about the Bible. We have to do the things that we have to do to make sure that God is placed first in our lives. I like to sing a song to my kids and I, I cannot wait for this with Kathy Petrillo. Cannot wait because I, I taught kindergarten for years and I love children's Bible class. It is near and dear to my heart. But something I sing with my kids all the time growing up is If I am a doctor when I grow up I'll be a Christian doctor and teach others about God. And I had little oriental trading puppets and we would swap it out. If I am a farmer, if I am a teacher, if I am a mama, if I am a daddy, so that they would understand that I don't care what you decide to be as long as it is in with the, within the realm of what God allows us to be when we grow up. As long as you are a Christian and that that is what really and truly mattered. How do we aim them successfully? Deuteronomy 6 guides us perfectly. We are to teach God's words diligently when we sit in our homes, when we walk outside, when we lie down at night, when we wake up. We're going to write the words on the doorposts and gates of our house. Talk about Jesus in your home. Talk about the Bible and how 66 books came together from different times and different authors and they all point to Jesus. Something that I love to play with my children and my students at Freed Hardeman and adult classes, anyone, is where's Jesus? Anytime you're reading a book of the Bible, you look in there and you're going to find Jesus because the entire Bible points to Jesus. It points to salvation because God knows that that is the most important thing that we are ever, ever going to do. Play where's Jesus. Allow the name of Jesus to be in every walk you take as you view creation. Uh, show your creation to the kids outside when they're walking around. And Isn't it wonderful that God gave us this beautiful sunset? Isn't it wonderful that God gave us and created these flowers for us to look at? Make sure that children hear the name of Jesus every day. For some, there's going to be a failure to launch. 
And what I'm saying is I now have an adult child and I thought that getting up at night with my babies was hard and I would go back and I split, just a hot minute, give me those babies. I will sit up all night long and rock those. Because seeing your adult child suffer and hurt is going to be the most pain that you go through. Labor is nothing. And I had zero meds. My, my babies just basically shot out my body whenever it was, it was time to come. There was no time. But seeing your adult child hurt and suffer and wonder why God. That's going to be where your real suffering happens with your children. When they get to a place and they wonder, why has God allowed this to happen? There may be a failure to launch. We work so hard with our kids to teach them to take care of themselves physically, materially, academically, emotionally, so that they're capable of taking care of themselves. But do we make sure that they have a strong spiritual life before we let that arrow go? Matthew 19 tells us God's perfect plan for our grown children. In verse 5 we read, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We raise our children to leave us, cleave to their spouse, and cleave to God. And if you have a child that grows up and they decide not to get married for one reason or another, then we need to teach them to not cleave to us, but to cleave to God. Because eventually we're not going to be there for them to hold on to. And they're going to need something solid when we go back to be with God and to not blame Him for those things. Do you know what the whole duty of man is? I always tell my students that I know the secret of life. People have looked for it for years and years and it is to fear God and keep His commandments. This is our whole duty. This is why we're here. This is the only thing that we are truly commanded to do is to fear God and keep His commandments. And that encompasses all the other rules and commands, right? But it's not something where we're supposed to be afraid of God. It's supposed to be that we love Him so much. We are so thankful for what He has done for us that we want to serve Him. We want to do all we can in His kingdom to make sure that we are helping others also to get to heaven. When our children are grown, are we going to allow them to leave and cleave in their marriage? Are we going to allow them, when they decide to leave the country and move 10,000 miles away, are we going to make it about us and say, well, I'm not going to get to see my grandbabies. Call my mom. She's been there and done that. 10,000 miles away from her one and two-year-old grandbabies and then also an 11-year-old. That was tough for her. And do you know what she told me? Tears streaming down her face, go and do the work of the Lord. That's what I raised you to do. She was braver than me. I wasn't nearly as brave as she was. Fear God and keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of men. We're going to spend a lot of time aiming those arrows. Where are we aiming them? Where do we spend the most of our time? If your children are in school, they spend a vast majority of their day in school, right? What are they learning in school? Who are they around? What are they doing? What are they exposed to? On their devices, what are they exposed to? What are they watching? What are they listening to? TV and media included. Are they constantly working on things that matter none about getting them to heaven? 
What are we aiming them toward? We have to have real conversations with our children. Allow them to ask the hard questions and you give them the true answers because awkward does not matter when it comes to heaven. You give them answers that they need to survive in this world and to choose the target that is the most important because once they leave that bow and they're on their own, then the flying is up to them. It no matter, no longer matters. An arrow can only be shot by moving backward. Remember we talked about sin entering the garden yesterday and sin can definitely cause our arrow to go off course and all of us are going to be affected by it. By, affected by our own sin, affected by other people's sin to where we have to decide are we going to sin in our response or are we going to be accepting that this is happening and reach for God anyways. An arrow can only be shot by pulling backwards. There are going to be times that they feel like they are pulled so far back that the string is going to break that they cannot take it anymore that you cannot take it anymore I want you to think about the story of Joseph what happened to him did he just succeed 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 no the further Joseph was pulled back the higher he flew when he was launched God's people often succeed downward rather than upward for quite a while before they are finally being launched with the strength needed to reach God's intended target and then smashing that bullseye. Joseph had some stinky years, guys. He had some really terrible years in there. But when he finally let go, he hit that target hard. He hit it hard and good. He served God with all that he had. When we allow God to build our homes, pour our foundations on the truth of his word, and fill our quiver with children, we are going to be surely blessed. We're going to write the scriptures on their hearts, and we're going to write them on our doorposts, and we're going to speak his name and his word boldly at all times. We're going to help them see the value in working in the Lord and accepting his gift of rest, which is something I need to work harder on. What a tragedy it's going to be to invest our love and time into our greatest treasures, the things we love most on this earth, our children, and realize too late that we have aimed at the wrong target. If you miss heaven, you miss everything. If your child is the greatest ball player, pianist, entrepreneur, and they are aimed at the wrong target, then they have not succeeded. If they are 4.0 grade point average and valedictorian and in Harvard Medical, but they have missed heaven, they have missed everything. If they are a doctor, a scientist, a lawyer, a CEO, a pilot, and they do not make it to heaven, then it has not mattered. And we have got to get that through our head. There are so many things reaching for our children. Pull back, aim true, and release toward the only target that truly matters. Because if you miss heaven, you miss everything. Thank you.